You're listening to The Reality Show, hosted by Dan Rutstein, president of immersive tech company, Laduma. Each episode delves deep into the power and potential of immersive technology in business, entertainment, or sport, now and in the future. So welcome back to the reality show, and this will be different from other ones because the world around us is certainly different from what it was last time we put an episode out. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast over Zoom, because we're doing social distancing, welcome Mike Moffo. Thanks for having me, Dan. Pleasure to be here. So Mike is a veteran strategist from the world of politics and brands, and we've spoken uh, many times over the last probably couple of years uh, about sorts of things that companies are doing in the immersive tech space and how you can get your messages out. Obviously, the world has dramatically changed around us, so I wanted to bring Mike on and get his views on what's going on. Before we do any of that, Mike, how are you in Edinburgh? Are you and your family safe? Yes, we're we're doing quite well. Um, you know, it's at at times like these, you you get a chance to uh, to take stock and and appreciate how how lucky you are if you're you know if you're as fortunate um, as us. But we're we're locked down here in in Edinburgh. Um, my partner Karina and myself and our six-year-old son who finished uh, P1 last week. And so we're engaged in our own version of daily homeschooling and both of us working from home. So it's, uh, it's a brave new world, uh, but we're, we're getting by so, so far for sure. So you know, where to start? I mean, this is obviously a complicated environment we're in. When I did the last of these podcasts, which feels like months ago, but was actually only a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to somebody who runs a successful marketing company who do these extraordinary brand activations. And he was just beginning to see the first cancellations of some of these global events. Obviously, things have, and we were talking about what that might look like, but everything's moved on dramatically. And, you know, there's, there's no events of any type happening in real life pretty much anywhere in the world and there hasn't been for a week or so and there probably won't be for at least six weeks depending on who you listen to and it could well be longer so I guess we start with let's start with the today rather than the tomorrow what what are people doing in the world that you you operate in during this period where their plans are altered their normal messaging isn't working and they can't get it out how are your clients and the people you work with reacting to the, the today situation? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it all depends. It all depends on the sector and the industry that a you know a client or a company is in, of of course. But one of the things that everyone uh, is kind of dealing with in common is just the internal day to day operations of of doing business which of course differs by by industry and by company size but 
this is a rare instance where whether uh, you know the economic impacts on a particular business are acute and immediate, or whether that it's more long-term planning, everyone is dealing with the the immediate restrictions of self-quarantine or social distancing. Um, and so I think that's the thing, particular depending on what country you're in. I mean, if you're in the UK or in most parts of the US, it was over the last two weeks where you're, you know, you're dealing with those internal adjustments of um, um, dispersing your your staff, getting everyone settled, working at home, assessing any kind of immediate health situations or f- family situations um, with your staff, internal communications, and then on the budgetary side whether you're anticipating immediate loss of revenue, there may be some you know, fairly, uh, fairly difficult cuts that, uh, that need to be made up front in order to you know, uh, kind of batten down the hatches for, for a, longer, a longer run. So that was the kind of thing that I think really slowed up businesses across the board for the last seven to 10 days. Uh, and now they're they're getting you know into maybe some sense of the new normalcy, and then now making assessments that are going to be very sector specific. Um, if you're on the front lines, um, if you're uh, having a spike in demand or a depression in demand of of your product or service, or in obviously the cases of the food service industry and hospitality and and travel, a, a uh, an obliteration of demand, um, so that's where it's it's now going to start to diverge by by sector as far as what they're dealing with on a day to day basis. Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, as there always would be in these situations, there are when there's a lot of losers at the moment. Obviously, in many many industries, travel and hospitality being one of the most obvious ones. But there's also um, there's also a lot of a lot of winners. Uh, in their various ways, obviously Zoom, Slack, and so on. You know, people who are whose job is to bring people together. What what is the what should your messaging be as a brand at the moment? I've seen some extraordinary examples, particularly on on LinkedIn. Some people are getting this really wrong. Some people are just sort of continuing to try and sell their products, and not necessarily ones that are helping people sort of interact with each other. Just generically selling their products. Um, in what feels like quite a tone-deaf way. And then there's another, there's one company in particular who do events uh, and basically have presumably got no work for the next three months. And their their CEO is, all he's doing is is sending out messages about how people can redirect resources to help others. Um, he's sharing links of businesses that need help and so on. So he's almost, you know, completely gone the other way. What, what's the balance people should be striking to be not to be accused of, of being tone deaf or profiteering or uh, glibness or uh, smugness at this time? How does one manage one's message? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I think this is, this is going to, this is going to, uh, differ drastically based upon the relative health of of your business. If you're on the strong side, you know, which is to say, businesses that are going to experience a 
a spike in demand or a spike in demand of uh, some segment of their business, for instance, home delivery. Um, Obviously, you've got your Amazons, you've got your other your Deliveroo and Uber Eats kind of delivery um, services. You've got, um, you know, I think this is a separate topic that that we might get to is, you know, kind of the online content creators and and influencer space, which have to make adjustments, but are generally being faced with a, a spike in demand for for content that they can consume online. You're exactly right to point out the the kind of professional communication services like like Zoom or like Slack. Um, if you're in that position, then it, it, it's a question of, uh, or you know, also traditional businesses like household products um, that that are going to be consumed at a at a higher rate since everyone is spending 100% of their time at home. That's a that's a thing of balancing. Look, you are providing a a, a a valuable service or product in exchange for a fair price, and you have to make sure that those prices stay fair. And there's that issue of price gouging and and you know opportunism when it comes to raising prices. And of course, that can be um, if you care about your brand reputation and some of these folks don't obviously i'm not talking about the big companies but if you do care about that then you know there's a massive downside to you know to to taking advantage uh, whereas if you're in as you mentioned whether it's the event uh or um, you know uh restaurant business restaurants pubs coffee shops that are you know literally the world is is you know, been turned on its head, you have no choice but to, you know, become a startup again, essentially, which is a struggle in and of itself. And, and so that that type of messaging, you know, I have found speaking with clients and colleagues and friends, the more difficult challenge in that space is to come to terms with the fact that your business is the the business as you know it is gone for the foreseeable future and waiting around and kind of looking at the unknowns things that are outside of your control you know there's a ceiling on how useful that is and so you know you have to take some measures you know with regard to your payroll and you have to make some really really tough decisions but if you if you're going to move forward in this difficult time, however long it lasts, turning the page right for for business owners and and for senior level employees to to start to focus, you know, like the example that you gave on to you know de- dealing with the here and now is the, the best way to use your your platform, right? It's a it's a real transformation which can be as difficult as you know, those folks are going to have to balance their commerce with uh, a recognition of, you know, what's going on with, with your customers in their, in their daily lives. Yeah. And I think we're beginning to see, and it's amazing how quickly people adapt and move forward. If you try to explain to a, you know, a business owner six weeks ago, the sorts of, you know, things that are going on in terms of quarantine and all that sort of stuff, I don't think anybody would, would believe it, but you know, in the first week, everyone was, as you say, scrambling to work out what it looks like working from home, you know, 
frankly, a lot of people, they might be running businesses, but they also need to go and do their shopping and all the things people needed to do ahead of all of this. And already, you know, I'm getting calls from people saying, right, let's talk about an event in September. Um, and let's talk about an event um, in June and, and so on. Um, and I think that's been really interesting because that wasn't happening a couple of weeks ago, but people are obviously sort of getting back to a version of the future uh, and thinking about it and using the time they've got at home when they would have been maybe out doing things to spend the time thinking about what comes next. And, and what, what comes next? I mean, some people are very, particularly the deeper thinkers, um, among our sort of friends socially have sort of talked about the before and after. Um, some things will undoubtedly change in working practice to start with. I think working from home is going to become a lot more acceptable, I imagine. People will see that you could be productive. Um, but in terms of how people operate in the, in the outside world, what sort of things do you think are beginning to take shape now about what the after is going to look like? Well, I tend to think that I mean, well, the real question I think that you're that you're asking is what which changes will stick and which changes, you know, will will be, um, you know, will will go back to quote unquote normal. I, you know, I tend to think that the things that will stick are going to stick not because of persistent fears of another pandemic, right? So the, it's not the literal circumstance repeating itself, although that is a possibility. And I think that will affect some, you know, investment decisions and some manufacturing decisions, right? Which is we're now, you know, more aware of the the global nature uh, and, uh, you know, the the potential um, of of a global pandemic, and so that's part of it. But the things that will stick is the things that offer a compelling value proposition anyway, but they just maybe have not broken through because you need to experience them to understand that value proposition. And it takes an off, you know, oftentimes it takes a, a crisis of this magnitude to force behavior change. And then the value proposition becomes crystal clear. And maybe others, you know, other, you know, kind of business considerations, um, for instance, a long, slow economic recovery for many, you know, companies on top of that, then will, you know, will kind of those multiple factors will conspire to make permanent some of some of these changes and remote working is a perfect example Re the value proposition of remote working is nothing new i mean there have been books being written about it and and you know it's it's been a thing i don't know if you want to call it when was it a trend and when when was it an uber trend and you know you know that's that's a separate conversation but you know, I remember reading a book uh, by the the founders of Basecamp, or yeah, I think it was Basecamp. Founders of Basecamp, um, great great company. Jason Fried and um, I forget what his co-founder's name. Um, 
is a fantastic duo. They they wrote a book on this. It had to be eight to ten years ago, professing all the benefits of remote work and flexible and flexible working. But now again, experiencing it is going to bring some of that. Um, it forces companies into that awkward and sometimes difficult and sometimes inefficient process of transitioning. And once you've gone through it, now you've paid that cost um, and you and you won't go back. I mean, perhaps, a, I mean, and, and there are many examples in it, but, you know, perhaps a less widespread. I think that there's a lot of question marks around this. I mean, you might consider this to be a bit more trivial, but when you look at something like health and in the health and wellness sector, you look at gym memberships, right? And you look at yoga classes. Um, people are being forced to do those online. Um, you know, I'm not, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say that people aren't going to want that human group experience of the fitness class or going back to the gym with all the equipment, but I am going to say that perhaps they're going to ex- understand and appreciate more deeply the value of being outside for your exercise, and maybe that they're going to moderate their fitness expenditure. Yeah. So I think that's right. Obviously, people like Peloton were doing very well with the sort of social isolation version of, of these of gyms anyway. I think it's interesting as I talk to people, particularly in the in the broader event space, the conference sort of trade show sense. There's a divergence of thought here, and I don't know which one sticks. So one is actually there's quite a lot of business you can get done without spending hundreds of thousands of dollars building a trade show stand and sending loads of your staff to a far-flung part of the world to interact with other people. So actually, do you need to have that expense? And there's another view, and some of it's human and some of it's business, which is I cannot wait until I can jump on a plane and take my client for dinner and go to a trade show and interact with people properly again. It's so much more efficient as a way of doing business. Um, And it'd be interesting to see how that plays out once people are allowed to travel again. So how much of the being at home sticks and how much of the being out and about and and, uh, wanting to be with clients and being out and around, whether that almost increases travel for certain groups of people. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and I think that this is going to, I, I, I think uh, that the other side of the coin, you know, which is what you're describing there, that there's some aspects of life and business that are going to come back stronger than ever. Right. I mean, absence makes the heart grow fonder, not to be flip about it, because I also think that there can be very profound aspects of of this phenomenon as well right uh the community events you know live sporting events live business gatherings like the trade shows that that you're talking about um it's going to be different for for everyone but i mean and to but to use your example some of the some of this is going to be and this is what what makes some of these long term even medium term predictions about you know widespread business trends so difficult to predict because i think there is a certain uh you know it's a cocktail of other thing i mean just one one case in point is let's say the 
the the the remote working and let's say that even extends to the regular more frequent client visits or industry visits that travel budget gets slashed because the kind of normal day-to-day operation you know is learning is going to be teaching itself over the next three to five months um, how to do that effectively with kind of minimal loss of of efficiency and quality then maybe the special events right the trade shows become even more important and right and so you're seeing your client in far-flung places less frequently in that kind of one-on-one business trip sense because it just makes more dollars and cents to do it that way but then you but then you reallocate a portion of that savings to going even bigger on the large gatherings and the you know and the and the special events right and so yeah it it can be cut so many so many different different That's right ways. I was talking to somebody yesterday who was who's in the events game and he was saying See, he doesn't know how it's all going to play out. But in the old days, a company might spend $250,000 or more on a launch for a product or some kind of event, um, you know, one-off, which is in that world, not a lot of money. I mean, there's a lot more spent on these events. Actually, if you don't want 400 people in a room, because either it's still not safe yet or people are uncomfortable about it and you don't know how long you know whether people will get a version of agoraphobia or social distancing ptsd as part of this and there's some there's some thoughts coming out of china that some people are not returning to normal life even though they can but actually even then even do you want to do that actually if you can find a clever way of doing it for that much money rather than hiring a venue and doing all the catering are you better off sending the product individually to a few hundred people with a very clever, rich, maybe AR experience, or even send people headsets for some content, maybe send catered food to their houses or places of work, and basically have the same event spread out, maybe even spend less budget. Um, it, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's going to play out. It's too early to know. But it, the fact people are having to think about that, because they, they can get the business continuity now. But actually, even when we go back to real life, maybe that's a more efficient way of doing it anyway. Yeah, I- Right. I think the key part in what you just said there is that people are thinking about it and businesses are thinking about it. And I think that is going to be one of the enduring takeaways in not only personal life, but social life and business life is a shock to the system, to the global system that forces people to pause in this way. Right. And again, I'll be the first to admit that some people are pausing whilst in a state of panic. Right. Uh, You know, or whilst in a a, a real state of upheaval, whereas others are more mildly affected, but are still being forced to pause moving forward. It's going to be more mindful uh, you know, more measured thinking about how marketing budgets, communications budgets, sales budgets are being allocated. And 
100, you know, 100%, whether that's a certain kind of a culling of the herd, you know, it, uh, uh, I don't know if that's a mixed metaphor there, but, but you know, that s the high profile events will survive, whereas the pretenders, you know, might fall by the wayside. Um, and again, likewise, uh, uh, an open-mindedness to new ways, right? Unlocking new value propositions like virtual trade shows or virtual aspects, um, augmented reality aspects of showing off your wares and interacting, you know, within an industry. Um, people are going to be a lot more thoughtful. And I think the consideration and reconsideration of new offerings is going to open up a, a lot of doors for, for new technology. Just in terms of, and obviously things are moving quickly, but in terms of interactions you're having with your clients, obviously, um, are you are you into those discussions already saying, let's think about these different forms of, of VR or AR now that you might not have been doing otherwise? Well, to be honest, um, I'm thinking about it a lot and I'm having a lot of conversations with industry leaders and, you know, shall we say professional communicators who are like myself in the business of, you know, we need to be prepared with ideas and insights as soon as the CEO is ready to contemplate them, right? In some cases, some forward-thinking CEOs are already throwing out those requests, um, but it's going to be a slow kind of roll of, you know, uh, whatever it is that that they're, whatever fires need to be put out, then they will inev inevitably come. So I think there's a segment of us who are contemplating the medium and long-term when it comes to, you know, clients right now that are dealing with stuff, I, I have to say the, the majority of the conversations, and again, this is, this is my opinion, but, you know, is counseling folks that this is going to be longer, deeper, and more transformative a disruption than you are assuming. And that the second and third, you know, degree uh, knock-on effects are are going to be more extensive than than you imagine. Uh, uh, to me, there's still a surprising amount of executives that are, you know, seem to be reading off of you know. I think some of our more short-sighted political leaders' talking points and talking about uh, you know um you know, short-term resumption of, of business as, as usual. And I think that's tempting. Um, look, none of us can know exactly what's around the corner, but I think that, that that type of thinking tempts one to not take immediate action, to, to wait. Um, and and I, I, I just don't see that thing happening. I, th I think this is going to be... Um, this will be a historic event, um, and it will be longer and more transformative than, than people are, are, are giving it credit for at the moment. I mean, many are, many are, don't, you know, to be clear, but a lot of my conversations seem to be, uh, you know, offering that 
insight to get people into that more clear-eyed take. And also, no, and I think I think that's right. And it's tricky because I think when this first started, maybe people thought it would be binary. You know, things are cancelled, then they'll start again. Uh, obviously, as more things have been cancelled, people have realised the seriousness of this and the impact of this in the in the longer term. When it does, when life does return to normal, it's not going to immediately be okay to jump on a plane uh, and have people, you know, fifty thousand people from all over the world converge on one city for a trade show. That's that doesn't feel like something that's going to happen for a long time. Um, and even when it does, will there still be some countries who can't attend because they may be taking longer to come out of it than others? So. What's the sort of hybrid scenario for marketing? And also, is there a reputational problem? So if you, you know, will it be seen as irresponsible to invite 300 people to a product launch in the summer? And therefore, people, even if it's maybe safe to do so, don't want to be caught out on the, in a backlash from a marketing point of view. Well, I mean, to, to be honest, I, I wouldn't counsel spending that much time on that on, on even contemplating that question right now, because so much of that is, is out of your control. I think that minimal preparation, I mean, what I'm telling clients, you know, minimal preparation so that you're not closing the door on that possibility, um, should it present itself, but nothing, nothing more than that. Um, I wouldn't be spending, you know, as much time trying to draw a line in the sand, you know, whether it's June, July, August, Easter, you know, for, you know, for some, for some people um, to, okay, after this date, we will be resuming your regularly scheduled program. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, this is this is much more profound change than that and uh, at least at least for myself i'm spending more time thinking about you know the public you know public markets are are not are not going to hit bottom for 9 months um and you know the general rule of thumb is that you know, economic recovery is going to be roughly three months, you know, I mean, even in even in a healthy scenario, three months for every one month of the shock. So right there, you're looking at 27 month recovery for a nine month downturn. And that's three years, you know, all, you know, all in. Um, and does that mean that it's three years of social distancing? No, absolutely not. But it does mean three years in many sectors of constrained budgets, recovery budgets. Oftentimes, marketing and communications tends to be um, a big percentage of trim. Um, and so, uh, you know, kind of getting back to normal is is going to be a very long-term prospect now you know you do have at the same time uh you know you have this if if you want to talk about marketing and sales and or you know advertising the digital communications platforms are more popular than ever 
right? Viewers and, and audience is more popular than ever. Um, and so there's a separate question about how much of that will be, um, will be sustained and how much will kind of go back. I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle, but the advertisers and the traditional mechanisms of monetizing those audiences is kind of running out the door and, you know, with a, a real question mark about when they're going to, when they're going to return. And just because social distancing measures are, are ended doesn't mean that the ad dollars are going to be back to their, you know, early 2020, you know, robustness, um, you know, and that's to say nothing of uh, the sort of macroeconomic impacts of every developed government in the world taking on massive debt and deficits in order to, you know, um, shore up struggling businesses and industries. And how is the political policy as they're carrying, and you're talking about local, regional, national governments that are going to be carrying massive debt, massive deficit for, you know, the upcoming years, how are they going to look differently uh, on some of these highly profitable digital platforms who are, you know, who have many might say not been paying their fair share when it comes to taxation or liability or, you know, or the like. And so some of that, some of those big impacts are going to have massive um, uh, knock-on effects to what we marketers and communicators are, are, are using. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what does, what are the opportunities do you think for VR and AR in this new world? You're talking about long-term. Yes. I I think that V I mean VR and AR as as you know um, I'm preaching to the converted here that you know I'm a big believer in the um, in the promise um, of you know as a new communication um, platform uh, and a new content platform and that was the case before the pandemic and that will still be my belief after the pandemic and so i think that the opportunities long term coming out of this for vr and ar will somewhat mirror the pro you know the the promising sectors you know that that i see in in general and i i mean i you know to call out a few of those you know I think they follow a certain kind of kind of trend um, or a, a common thread, perhaps. Right, the, the, this common thread of a pretty massive paradigm shift in business. You know that that is for you know the last you know era. I don't know how long you want to say. You know, cheaper, faster, better. In other words, efficiency has been the order of the day. That's been kind of the, the measuring stick um, for investors um, and the, the measuring stick of, of success. I think there, there's gonna be a paradigm shift from cheaper, faster, better towards uh, you know, resilience 
and reliability. Um, and again, not not because everyone is going to be living in daily fear um, of that next pandemic, but because it's a sound business practice and that, that pendulum has swung uh, in that direction throughout history. And I think that's where the pendulum is is going to swing. And so with that in mind, I think healthcare is a big is a big sector, you know, for for long term, you know, as it as it relates to uh, you know a crisis like this, but also to day to day. I mean, one of the one of the big features of coronavirus is that those that are at risk because certainly because of old age and infirmity, but also because of underlying. Um, conditions makes them more vulnerable um, to the point of hospitalization and God forbid death, some of those are preventable. And so the improvement of healthcare systems and the improvement of healthcare delivery and the improvement of of preventative medicine, um, I think is going to be a a big sector for investment and a a big sector for, for growth. And I think as Laduma knows, um, VR and, and AR can play a big role in that when it when it comes to training medical professionals um, and you know any any number of kind of forward thinking healthcare practices. I think the second is education. Um, I think you and I are both uh, like millions of of, uh, of of parents around the world are now you know, at least part-time professional homeschooler or not professional, but are part-time homeschoolers. Um, and whilst most parents will be quite happy when the schools open up with a renewed appreciation for, you know, the, the, the value and the expertise of, of educators at all levels. Mm-hmm. I also think, you know, <laughs> I, I also think that the, uh, the efficacy of self-education or home education um, is is going to, uh, you know, be one of the persistent of effects of this. And of course, VR and AR can play a huge role in that. I mean, there are many uh, startups that have been getting major traction over the last three to five years um, of, of education. I think if there's a loser in this, it's not elementary school or, or primary school teachers as much as I think some of the prestige of, um, advanced degrees from prestigious universities may be something that, that takes a hit and that the education sector is going to flourish, um, you know, surrounding usable, usable skills. Um, and then I think the third one is, you know, more in the hard tech, you know, if you will, kind of infrastructure um, and and transportation. But but kind of, I guess I would tie that one up around climate. Um, you know, climate and sustainability um, is is a big thing. Again, something that that was growing, um, but is going to be. You know, as an as an ideological issue, right? That, that there's plenty of 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 people that are already converted to that as a cause, but I think it's going to be catalyzed by the virus, um, in the sense of again those the the governments 
are going to be looking for long-term ways to work themselves out of, you know, this, this, you know, uh, you know, economic catastrophe um, with um, something like a green new deal. Um, it might not go by that name because, you know, again, that that's taken on some sort of partisan baggage for good or for ill for, for ill and, in my view, but I think those types of big projects are going to offer a lot of, a lot of opportunities, and um, you know everything from infrastructure projects like high-speed rail, air, clean energy, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think VR and AR have a have a big role to play in, in, uh, in that sector as well. Yeah, very good, super. Look, uh, Mike, this has been really interesting. Um, I'm conscious that both of your time uh, as it's funny how when work when you're working from home actually you think you have more time but with every other member of your house in household in there as well and so many people now available to be doing Skype calls and Zoom calls that uh, people don't have a lot of time so, um, uh, yep. so I'll give you a chance to go and I know our listeners will have a a similar time crunch at the moment in an ironic way so look Mike right. thank you very much for your time I mean who knows where this all plays out. Um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, the turnaround time for podcasts of sort of recording and putting out in the next few weeks doesn't make sense at the moment because of all that's going on. Um, and who knows where we'll be in a few weeks' time. But uh, your insights as of where we are today are fascinating. And let's see what the world looks like. Thank you very much indeed for your time. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dan. Thank you for listening to The Reality Show. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find us on social media at Reality Show Pod. Thank you.